Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Toogie's Take Podcast. We are back again. It is two of the guys, two of the fellows, because our our beloved sin for the win is off in the land of the Finns still for the next little while. But we're happy for our boy, and we're happy to be here with you. My name is Toogie, joined by the uh, the, the king of the hydration station, Endo Mills. Dude, you have no idea. I have to drink so much goddamn water because um, I'm still sick. Um, mm. You can probably tell from my voice. It's still not the same as it usually is. Um, it's a lot more bassy. I kind of like it a little bit more, not going to lie. Um, yeah, you get like a, like a, a, a berry white vibe going on. <laughs> yeah. Um, th- the best part about it is that it requires me to pronunciate my words a little bit better. So I become a lot more coherent. Hmm. Uh, that's something that I've noticed, at least. Um, Should I, be I, sick I'm more s- often. Yeah, I. Sh- <sighs> uh, knowing my immune system, God, I'm surprised I'm not sick even more often. How was your day? Because you you had a very interesting day. Because I I, I believe yeah <laughs> st- stuff happened. Uh, you yeah. you didn't you didn't do the sports gamer today because something happened and it inconvenienced mm-hmm. you in the greatest way possible. Discuss. That's true. Uh, the joys of getting new appliances, everybody. Being being a homeowner with my with my wife. wife. The joys of uh, you know, I've told stories about the the house that we bought. You know, it was it was built in the seventies and was owned by the people that built it up until we bought it. Um, Magnolia and, walls. Hmm. Any magnolia walls or no? Define a magnolia wall. I don't know. Um, I've been listening to a band uh, called, formerly called Slaves. Now they're called Soft Play because the name is a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a thing. There's a thing. Uh, one of those songs, um, Magnolia, where it's like one in like five like UK homes have a magnolia wall. And considering that, like how <laughs> old that place is, like I figured, like you know what, you might have one magnolia wall, maybe. Maybe it. I I don't know what the hell it is, and I'm trying to look it up, and all I'm getting is different paint colors. So I, wood, I don't know. Wood paneling. Oh God, yeah, this office. Yeah, this office. There you go. Oh God, dude. So again, I've told stories about this house before. So essentially, like I said, <laughs> it was owned by the previous owners. Um, you know, husband and a wife. The husband passed away about eight years or so before we bought the house. So basically it was okay. You know, the widow was trying to hold on, do what she could. And then eventually it's like, all right, she can't live on her own anymore. So, um, her and her kids that sold the house and everything, they were great in terms of trying to help us out and stuff like that. The problem is the guy that owned this house was a very do it yourself kind of guy, which just led to some problems (laughs) that we've had over the last couple of years now being in here. Um, this office was, you know, the, the, the sheetrock and everything. Right. Glued to the sheetrock was this dark brown wooden paneling. Ah. So we had to pull off this flimsy ass faux wooden paneling to only discover that the sheetrock underneath it was just, it, there's just no way you could make it presentable. So I got to take a sledgehammer to the walls and knock out the walls of this office and then put up the new sheetrock. I remember you're talking about that. And I was joking like, Hey, if you need any manual labor, just like 
I'll just go across the border for like a week. And oh, uh, that God. offer is still up there. Like, it, by the way, it's still up there completely. <laughs> totally um, noted. Yeah. Yeah, they um that's that wasn't the only wall too of this of this house that had to be taken out. So that was that was fun. Um and essentially to continue on the story, it was like, okay, you know, we've we've done our, our job of replacing and upgrading appliances, especially. You know, we moved in, we immediately bought a dishwasher, freaking washer and dryer, stuff like that. Right. Um, but the fridge was still in good enough shape until over the last month or so. It started making weird noises, and we're like, "It's time, time, yeah." So, I, I, I essentially suffered from PTSD today because having to take everything out of my fridge, put it into bags, and then put it in the garage because the garage is cold this time of year, so it was kind of like a refrigerator. Reminded me of the PTSD of moving. Because moving is oh. not a pleasant experience. Anybody that has moved, you know, a couple times, you'll know the process of taking all your shit to then bring it somewhere else sucks. It yeah. absolutely sucks. Like, uh, I had so- to deal with that with Polina. Um, not to interrupt, but um, for her, she hates moving because she had to move constantly. Uh, like all throughout her teenage years and she moved over here from, you know, Russia uh, to go for school and hockey and everything. So she was at the move. So that's why, like right now, we're like, what, three months into our stay at this place and we still haven't like fully unpacked kind of thing. That, honestly, she's like, oh, that's fair. That's yeah, she's fair, like, bro. you know what? I'm going to have to go again. I might have, have to leave again. I'm like, we have a one year lease. We're here at least for a year. Hmm. Like, it's fine like i need concrete needs need, i need like stability i'm like well we're not gonna be able to buy a house because you know it's stupidly expensive and yeah that's that's pretty much i'll talk about it was just buying a house it's it, not affordable in the city of toronto unless you're making mm-hmm. 100k a year and i'm not that's why you gotta move to the middle of fucking nowhere like i did man <laughs> like yeah it, it doesn't have too many perks really like it's kind of nice to have your own little your own little space you might have to travel a smidge to to do some things but man at least i you know i'm not living in an apartment like we have we have a house and it is underrated the idea of house ours like horrifically or not underrated but it just it you don't quite get the feeling until you have it Especially right. when you you expect to be like, all right, yeah, I gotta I gotta live and I gotta rent my entire life because shit's not affordable in the city type of thing. Um, so yeah, if you can, and that doesn't just mean you; that means for anybody. If you can, I highly recommend moving to the middle of fucking nowhere if possible. It's a fun time. Hey, my only option, real realistically, is moving a little bit more east. Excuse me, moving a little more west, living in a townhouse. And just doing that, like, honestly, I'm a, I'm a townhouse kind of guy. I like having just enough space, not too much, not too little. Um, so I, I like to work within my means. I'm a very simplistic kind of guy. Give me my hockey, give me my food, give me my woman, and I'm all good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, honestly, I think that sums yeah. up this podcast pretty well. <laughs> Put that on a T-shirt, damn it. Um, but yeah, let me tell you, though, th- this was my Christmas. This was my Christmas when my wife asked me, what do you want for Christmas? You're impossible to buy for because I am, you know, throughout the year. If it's like, oh, 
I kind of want this. I'll I'll just get it. You know, if it's within my fucking means, it's not like, oh, I want a Lambo. So I bought a Lambo. Like, no, I don't drive a fucking Lambo. Obviously, you've seen the YouTube subscriber number. Um, But, you know, if it's something like, oh, this game or uh, this jersey, whatever. It's like, I'm just going to fucking get the damn thing. So she's like, well, what the hell do you want? And I'm like, a a new fridge. (laughs) And now that it's here, of course, we had to go through the pain of taking the freaking door off the hinges not of the fridge but to get the fridge in the door that was fun um now now that it's here i'm, I'm happy that, that's all that's all it takes I'm, I'm approaching the big 3-0 in a couple months and wh- what do i need to be happy now give me a new refrigerator and a quiet night of nothing and i'm good to go there you go that reminds me of my cousin who uh, they, they live like in a very nice nice area uh, i want to say they're, they're well off but they're 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 very they're they're good. They're comfortable, very comfortable. So as a joke, um, as they're getting the fridge brought in because their fridge broke down, my cousin says to his mom, my aunt, uh, "Oh my, uh, bring, as the guys bring it in, it's like, oh man, look, mama, no more cool, no more, uh, no more, uh, no more cooler. We're not to put stuff in the cooler no more. We can just do everything." And the delivery people looked shocked. Like legit, mm. like oh my god, they had to put stuff in like the cooler to defrost, and then the you know do do all that, and he's she's like no, shut the fuck up. We we have a fridge. Like it's it's really fine. <laughs> <laughs> so good, goodness, perfect prank, tremendous. Well, with that, I hope we uh, you know, I hope you all enjoyed the uh, the fridge talk and everything. But we do have hockey to talk about today. Uh, we also, uh, you know, have some uh, some viewer questions. So we're going to get to a couple of those. Endo Mills. How's that sound? That sounds pretty good. Sounds great. Get right to the questions. Tremendous. And I think they're all hockey related, too, from the looks of it. So the first one is from AJ, which is what is the biggest what the fuck they're this good slash what the fuck they're this bad teams through the first quarter of the season. Now, I feel like there are two obvious shouts here, and it is kind of the uh, the the response that AJ had as well for really his own nominees for this. Um, So I think we can go one of each, right? In terms of the uh, what the fuck, they're this bad. It's three of the bottom five who shouldn't be in the bottom five. It's either Minnesota, who just fired their head coach. Yep. The Ottawa Senators, who brought in Vladimir Tarasenko and were wanting to really kind of take that step forward. You spent, you know, four million bucks on Jonas Corposalo. Or it's, I think most people shout, the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. And we've talked I mean, about the- it all season long just like how are you how are you this bad i mean the oil are on a three game win streak right now so they're kind of picking the pace back up and mcdavid has like fucking 12 points in like three games or the fuck it is Mm. so to say that they're like to say they're bad yeah they're bad to say that they can't write the ship 100 percent. i think a team like for example who's a team that's at the bottom that is like absolutely your season's done cooked whatever I don't think so. I think 
I think maybe like Columbus. That's it. Mm. Columbus yeah, and the Sharks. Yeah. 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 Columbus, it's uh it's gotten bad amongst that fan base where they're just losing all yeah. hope, all optimism. Mm-hmm. Nash is terms- getting upset on Twitter. <laughs> it's like, how are we this bad? How are we this bad? <laughs> it's and I hate to say it, but I don't. It's karma. It's karma. Oh, yeah. I was going to say it, too. It's totally karma. You could have brought in a different coach, had the entire offseason to prepare, but instead you brought in, oh, give me your phone, and this is what you get. I'm sorry. I like the Blue Jackets, but, you know, you reap what you sow. So no sympathy. In terms of the best team, I feel like there's the primary one. It's the Vancouver Canucks. Fourth yeah. in the NHL right now in points, league best goal differential. Nobody thought the Canucks would be this good playoff team. They're in the conversation. I don't think anybody thought they were going to be uh, fourth best team in the league uh, through 23 games played. Now, obviously, too, if you go off a of points percentage, they were a little bit lower, but they are still top 10. So, but still, I, I think you got to give the shout to Vancouver. Yep. The most inconsistent start and. It's not like I'm wishing for them to fall off because that's not really what I what I wish them for. It'd be funny but it, though. Their 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 current like trajectory is not only is it like not unheard of, but it's kind of on pace with how they did. God, and I think the 20, 2010 season, like when they had the riot and everything, is that mm. then they got off to a really really hot start as well, and then they just kind of like, you know, was mid halfway through and all that. Um, but at the same time, you know, if you get to a hot start and get to a hot lead, it more or less gives you more. I wouldn't say it gives you more like comfortable as in like you can lose a few games here and there and still be fine because that's a terrible way to manage a hockey uh, hockey team. Mm. Except, you know, Babcock's idea with the whole when he was with the Leafs, his idea was like, oh, every week we got to get a certain, certain amount of points so that way we can guarantee ourselves, you know, win there and we'll be fine. Like over like a ten game streak, you want to get it like this many points against high quality opponents, low quality opponents, and that's what they aim for. Obviously, you want to get you want to win every fucking game, but like right. if you want to strategize that out that way, then like that's one way to do it. But yeah, Our next, um, unless you have anything yeah, else yeah. to add, I got nothing else. Keep going. Fair enough. Our next question: Considering the NHL is the worst league for the best sport. Yes. Make the case for another professional hockey league that is currently active that someone could watch instead of the NHL. The professional Women's Hockey League, which finally announced that all the arenas are going to be playing in, and they've basically pulled an AEW where the, no one can sit where the hard cam is in certain mm. arenas, which mm. is really funny. It's really funny to see that happening in a, in a hockey event. Especially in when some the arena sizes are so all over the place. You got some teams playing in a full capacity NHL arena with the XL Energy Center with Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And then you have some teams playing where there's like two thousand people tops. Like I think I expect the PHF to bring in numbers of a thousand to two thousand people per game. Mm. I don't expect them to like sell out every game. I don't expect them to sell the X the, the XL Energy Center at all. That's no, what, I mean, that's like, 
18 to 20,000 people for a hockey game for women's yeah, hockey. Yeah, so literally I had to look it up on hockey reference for the uh, XL Energy Center. Uh, that has a listed capacity for the wild at just under 18,000 people. Exactly. That is, you know, it's funny because you mentioned like the wrestling comparison, right? And there's been that conversation surrounding AEW. There was that conversation surrounding WWE at times before their, the popularity of their product turned around where they were booking out the big stadiums that can fit 12, 15,000 or more people. And they'd be getting eight. And it's like, at that point, do you book a smaller venue and fill it to the rafters instead of booking the biggest venue and it's a percentage full instead of at capacity for that particular event. Um, Yeah. The idea of the uh, PWHL, which I do agree like, Hey, that is probably the best answer (laughs) in terms of what to support. I do agree. It's interesting for the PWHL to um, have a couple of arenas that, our NHL size as the home for some of these teams. Um, the New York team, which again, I, uh, for a second, I'm like, oh shit, what was their name? They don't fucking have one. Uh, yeah. The the <laughs> New York Bridgeports, because they're playing out of the fucking Bridgeport Sound Tigers, not the Islanders, because not mm-hmm. on the fucking island. Yeah. Um, they're playing out of their arena. Yeah, like, they're splitting they're splitting games between the total mortgage arena, which is a 10,000 seat arena that houses the Bridgeport Sound Tigers of the AHL. And then they're also going to play. I think it's five games in Bridgeport, but four games at UBS Arena, which is the home of the Islanders, um, which, again, the Islanders uh, new barn, as they call it, uh, their capacity is eighteen thousand seven hundred. Meanwhile, the Islanders are averaging 16,000 fans uh, a night right now. So not even the Islanders are selling out this place. It makes you worried of like, fuck, how empty is that place going to look? It's just it's going to be bad. Like it's going to be AEW Dynamite versus WWE PLE. Mm hmm. That's how bad it's going to be, and it's unfortunate. Um, The Boston team. Go ahead. I was going to say, even when the PHF had their final in Toronto, when they when Mm. it was the the Toronto Six versus I think it was a Connecticut Whale last year, and that 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 arena, they only, I believe, like that for seating, it was only on the the visible side with the cameras. Yeah, barely anyone sat where the hard cam was, and. Like I get you want to show that the the building's like full and everything, but if you can't sell out an arena that's like a thousand seater, you kind of have to readjust certain things. Like the um, when the Toronto Six were playing out of Canland York, and I get Canland York's like way further out than people want to usually trek out for hockey. It's like North York. You have to, whereas you know, like downtown Toronto, you have so many rinks. Anatomy's downtown, Old Maple Leaf Gardens, that's where it is. Uh, what is it? Uh, Scotia Bank Arena and Rico Coliseum, Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola Coliseum. They're all within like a 20-minute walk of each other. But to get to Canland, York, you have to take a, a subway for either a half hour or take a or drive for half an hour to get to the arena. Mm-hmm. You're going to the outskirts of the city. There's, there's like nothing there. 
in terms of like food entertainment nothing it like you're on the university campground right and that brings me to the boston team who announced that they are going to be in a smaller venue at the uh sangha center but that is in lowell massachusetts not boston lowell uh is 30 miles away yep so you're talking 45 minutes on a train um potentially up to a, an hour long drive depending on fucking traffic which uh depending on the time of night let me fucking tell you traffic in and out of boston is a fucking nightmare like it is in any other big goddamn city yeah. um so it just makes me wonder like okay you, you had the right idea you, you know you picked a, a college-sized venue that houses like a lot of concerts and stuff like that um but still it's it's a little bit more out of the way um I know Ottawa is running at TD Place Arena, which, funny enough, is in Ottawa. Yeah, as the Senators aren't. So that's. Nice I was going to say this is this is the whole entire thing of like Ottawa versus Canada. Mm-hmm. That's that's the entirety of what it, what the PHL basically seems like it's running off of PWHL, excuse me. And with TD, with the TD Gardens, like you only have the hard cam side. Because like there's there's a fucking wall on the other side. Like if you look at it, it's if you haven't seen the arena for TD Garden, uh, I believe TD Garden, um, TD Place. No, T- the Garden yeah, TD, is uh, TD Place Arena, which is the home of the sixty uh, sevens. Yeah, OHL. yeah, TD Place Arena. You know, front of the minions everywhere. Like if you haven't seen it, and if you play NHL twenty four, it is that one fucking arena with the with the wall and the siding on the top of the roof. That is what it basically looks like. Mm. Like verbatim. That's what it looks like. And excuse me, my nose just got really itchy. Like that, like that's the only arena I'm like, yeah, that kind of makes sense for it. Because you can fill up that whole entire arena. I think their capacity is like four thousand. Mm. I I hope this league grows, but the, the arenas that they've chosen are weird. Yeah. I mean you have some in uh, you know a, a an OHL junior sized rink, one in a college rink. And then you got, you know, Minnesota playing at fucking XL energy center, which is a massive fucking building. Yeah. You have them continuing to kind of drip feed information. It's like, here's the teams two weeks later. Here's the schedule. And then the top comments are all tickets. How do we buy tickets? Is there a TV schedule? It's just, like, is that they the don't have one. about it? The idea of like you know you're drip feeding out this information instead of just hitting people with here's where they're playing, here's the schedule, here's how you can buy tickets. Let's fucking go. And that's not what we're getting at the moment. So it's it's like it's like going to Starbucks and asking for a decaf, and they give you a pour over decaf. So you're waiting that for that thing to fucking drip down and go through. And like, I just want my coffee. I just want to have this thing and know what I'm getting. I don't want to wait for it. And like, I, I get, I get the whole thing. Everyone's kind of impatient and you know, the way the first thing that's happened. But again, like I mentioned before, there, there's been like almost zero press releases from the PWHL. All the information they've had to get from people has been from other sources. The one thing that's that the biggest kicker of it all, the PWHL is having a three on three event at the all-star game with the NHL this year. Mm-hmm. 
I hadn't seen a single thing from the NHL announce this. It was basically kind of like, oh, here's everything that's going to happen. Oh, we're also going to be at the All-Star game, I guess. Mm. And it was kind of expected because, you know, the PWHPA was there. Right. And a lot of those teams have ties to the PWHPA. Um, and I guess, you know, the, the Billy Jean King and Mark Walter uh, group were like, hey, yeah, we can put these people at the same layer because we have the same connections. Like, I want this to be successful. I really do. But everything has just been rushed out. It's I don't want to say it has been rushed out. It feels rushed. Mm. This could be completely planned and like internally like stagnated to actually have releases that come out and everything. But it just it just feels like they have a deadline. Well, they have a deadline, obviously. But they're just like barely making making ends meet to get there. I think the whole idea they should have done is have the merger, meet with the players, talk about how they want to get get everything set up, and then wait a year. Like you have no hockey, but wait a year, or just have player showcases with every player who decides to be part of the the player, the PWHPL, PWHLPA. That's a fucking mouthful. The, the <laughs> player association. Every player that is like assigned a player association, they're like, okay, cool. We're gonna have showcases throughout the year to showcase all the talent. So that way, the, the next season comes around, 24, 2024, 2025 comes around, they can start off fresh, brand new with the actual league, which isn't necessarily wrong because that's what they were already doing with the PWHPA showcases. It was the exact same shit, except now there's six teams, six really shitty gun identities, which are kind of all the same, and people trying to support the league and do what they can to support the league and feeling like they are basically being led on in a mm. way like it, it, it feels like this is self-sabotage from people trying to make women's hockey not happen when the previous fan base with the phf which was really passionate it was really passionate the fact that they were like constantly watching the twitch streams and everything that was a cool thing too just be able to pull up a live stream on Twitch and watch women's hockey or just watch hockey in general. And it's mm. not some dude trying to steal a feed from, you know, TSN, Sportsnet or whatever uh, broadcaster. So to the question, because we went on a, a little side tangent about the PWHL, but that was fun. Yeah. Make the case for another professional hockey league that is currently active to watch instead of the NHL. And the American Hockey League. Well, I was going to say, right? Like, you have the AHL, the ECHL, and then other, like, plenty of other uh, professional leagues like the SPHL or amateur leagues that are abundant uh, throughout the U.S. and Canada. You want to watch have... a bunch of guys from junior and, like, a bunch of old men fight? Mm. Go, out of the, go watch a Fed game. Go watch a Fed game. It's just guys fighting and then, like, one goalie who like really wants to play really, really well and wants to be a guy and then has like a 12 goals against average and like 60 minutes played. And it's been on like four different teams, not calling anybody out. Uh, it's like four different teams and is still trying to hold on to the dream. I mean, power to you, power to you for trying to stick on the hockey. I, re I respect anyone who's trying to do that, but it's just, it's just crazy. Like that, that league has like five fights a night per game. Guys getting flipped over constantly for picks and 
traded like left and right. It's you, you get passed around in that league. Crazy. Every league does revolve around the idea of getting to the NHL. So not to say that's the goal of everybody there, but every league does add or um, operate as a pipeline. Yeah. Whether or not it's the three Canadian, the main Canadian junior leagues, um, AHL, ECHL, the NCAA, um, and then even, you know, the big European leagues as well. Um, in terms of, I don't really think you can go wrong following any of I think the only league that is an exception to that is the BCHL because their their pipeline is directly to college. Hmm. They have had like 190 uh, US commits last year after they announced this year that they're going to be going independent from Hockey Canada. And basically, they're like the top junior A league in, arguably, I would say, top junior A league in North America, except for the USHL. But even then, that's kind of like, that's 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 more development for, yeah, for there as well. So, like, BCHL, USHL, those are pipelines for colleges. There's not a lot of guys go, go to the NHL out of those programs. I don't really think you can go wrong in supporting any kind of league that's either a little bit more local whether it's the college side of things, I don't think you can go wrong being like, hey, I live in Indiana, but I'm going to start following the SHL, um, which isn't the easiest thing to do, but it is possible. Yeah, um, games at 8 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> Better than being over there and uh, having to stay up until 2 a.m. to watch a, a start. But, you know, um, I said, I, I don't know. I think there's an argument for every other league that's out there as a positive, even if there's a very good chance that, okay, if you're so goddamn talented, like you're going to end up seeing players leave for the NHL or the best players of that particular league are going to be guys that were in the NHL and then came back. Um, Looking in the SHL right now, top five scorers. Number one is Cali Kosela, who uh, played with the Anaheim Ducks. Second, Ty Ratty. Hey. St. Louis Blues legend Ty Ratty. Let's go. Um, second goal scorer or uh, second goaltender in terms of save percentage is Max Lagasse, who was with the uh, Vegas Golden Knights, among other teams. Like That's yep. just going to be the examples that you see more often in these leagues. So, I mean, every single one has its, has its perks, has its benefits. It is easier now than it's ever been to follow what is going on in other leagues aside from the NHL. But, you know, at the end of the day, you want to see the best of the best. Well, you know where you have to go. So, Oh, goodness. What else do we got for question? Okay, we got one here. Connor McDavid has demanded a trade to either Boston or Toronto, because I'm presuming Sin isn't on this week. I'll ignore San Jose. What are your respective trade packages to land Connor McDavid for your favorite team? My direct quote, um, 
uh, for for sin if this was a trade to the the sharks. Send him the whole ocean. <laughs> Bring him the whole ocean. <laughs> oh man. I mean, it's um, funny because if you're the sharks, like whatever the hell they want is the answer. It doesn't yes. matter. Um. God, for the Bruins. I mean, it, right. Like, we've talked about the idea of, like, oh, uh, Oilers fans being like, hey, hey, Jeremy Swayman or Linus Allmark would look nice. And it's like, again, we've had that conversation. There's nobody on the Oilers who would be as important to acquire than who you'd be getting rid of and their importance, meaning how important those two goalies are to that team. You would have to get somebody who is equal to or if not even really more important and can make an even bigger impact. And that's one of right. two players on the Oilers, McDavid or Dreisaitl. So I, I can't imagine that deal happening. Um, if you're talking Connor McDavid, though, I mean, the idea of the Bruins acquiring McDavid is to play him with David Posternock, which, holy fuck, could yeah. you imagine? Um, but I don't... I just don't know. Like, it, Swayman would have to be in the deal... And then you're talking Patra would have to be in there. Yeah. You're talking Swayman. You're talking Patra. You're talking Jake DeBrusque. You're talking two firsts, another prospect. I mean, it would have to be a massive, massive fucking deal. Um, also cap space, too. So it's going to have to be like a, a player, will, a pretty sizable player would have to leave as well, too. Yeah, so you have about eight million bucks between DeBrusque and Swayman. Um, Potch is obviously on a base level deal, right? So you'd probably be talking like DeBrusque, Swayman, uh, Matt Grizzlick, and Derek Forbert to even mm. out the calf. I mean, this is a trade that you literally could not pull off at NHL 24 because there aren't enough asset slots. That's how massive that trade would have to be for the Bruins to pull it off just from a cap standpoint and from a, a pure value standpoint for the Leafs though. I feel like it would be a little bit easier. Yeah. Especially on this day, November 30th, 2023. It's a sign and trade. It starts with a sign and trade of William Nylander. Yeah. He's the easiest piece to move right now because you could negotiate the terms that he would want in Edmonton. Um, unless you think it's going to be over 10 and then maybe you have the conversation about Mitch Marner. Like I feel it's like one, right it's one now, of those two. Yeah. I feel like right now in the current state, okay, I, I will, I will, I will tackle this now before I'll tackle it. When we talk about the talk about, um, the Florida Panthers, hmm. what is with Leafs nation and always finding the whipping boy? No matter Always. what, it's it is insane. Mitch Marner set a Maple Leaf record for the fastest of four hundred assists, mm. and in that same that same like instance, they're saying, "Oh, trade him." That man puts up like seventy point averages just in assists alone. You take away his goals, he's worth his contract alone. Like Mitch Marner isn't a goal scorer, although he put up like 30 last season. That's the thing. He can be a goal scorer, but he's his comparison 
even when he was drafted, I believe was Doug Gilmore. And Dougie wasn't a goal scorer. He was an assist guy. It's funny because I I Googled Maple Leafs scapegoat. And it brought me to an article from 10 years ago by Jeff Vayette, formerly known as Jeffler on LeafsNation.com, entitled Breaking Down a Scapegoat, in which he talks about Dion Phaneuf. And the idea of like, okay, Dion Phaneuf needs to go. Joffrey Lupul should be the captain. And after Dion Phaneuf, you had Jake Gardner and Nazem Kadri and Justin Hall and uh, John Klingberg this year, even though rightfully so he was bad. Um, every single year, essentially, you can go back to a Leafs roster and be like, oh, yeah, we we hated that guy. You know, <laughs> even if it's not fully representative of the entirety of the fan base, it's like, yeah, yeah, that, that's the one guy that that caught a whole lot of shit that year. Um, you know, Phil Kessel was in the mix. I don't necessarily think from the fan base, but especially from the fucking media. Steve Simmons, Ooh. I mean, Jesus Christ, like the attacks on Phil Kessel for not being good enough when he was the the star player of that goddamn team. Yeah, um, that guy who was brought in originally to sell seats. Mm. You know, and he sold seats pretty fucking well. Mm. You know, like I said, there might be there might be some validity to the critiques of like, okay, Justin Hall, not necessarily good enough. But then a yeah. lot of the conversation was, well, it's his usage, and that's that's a coach problem. Um a lot of conversation about Jake Gardner and well, good plays, but he fucks up. He really fucks up. Nazem Kadri. Okay. We didn't want to get rid of him, but he gave us no choice in the playoffs. There's always a conversation, but like you said, it's always somebody who's going to be uh, in the spotlight as that guy. I mean, it's the fucking SpongeBob meme of the fish pointing. <laughs> you know, that's what it is. Like, it's always got to be somebody in those fucking crosshairs every time. And I, that's, I feel like that's the same way for every team, but it's always amplified when it's the Leafs because of the size of the fan base, because of the the spotlight that they have. Like, don't get me wrong, like the Arizona Coyotes, again, I love the Coyotes, but, you know, in comparison, it is what it is. The Arizona Coyotes and fans of that team have their scapegoat. The problem is it's just not amplified to the point. Like ever I feel like if you are online, every single fan knows exactly who the scapegoat of the day is for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Of course, it's not the same way for all right, who's the scapegoat today? Who are Seattle Kraken fans mad at today? Who's playing so poorly that Kraken fans are like, ah, fuck that guy? I I don't fucking know. Uh, who is it for uh, the New Jersey Devils, who are underperforming right now. I don't know. Buffalo? Everybody? I don't fucking know. Uh, it's just one of those things <laughs> where it's like, it just because the Leafs are just such a massive team, you're always going to kind of know and have that extra that extra vitriol there. So yeah. anyway, this was a question about trading for Connor McDavid. <laughs> But I mean, like, we, we did tackle it head on. I we mean, did, you're yeah. going to have to trade Nylander okay. or Marner. You're going to have to give up 
like they don't I don't does does Edmonton need a prospect? No, they need actual talent because their talent pool is kind of piss poor. They they bit. would demand both, which is why yeah. in my 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 trade proposal it's the idea of like okay, you get roster players like the Brusque, like Grizzlick, but you also get prospects like Patra or Lori for the defensive side of things. The Leafs have the higher end talent. So the Bruins would have to do more of a mix of current roster players, picks and prospects, but the Leafs have the higher end talent that they could give to the Oilers in that situation. The Bruins do not have the ability to be like, Oh, we could get rid of a Marner or a Nylander. The only guy on that level is Pasternak. And there's no way you do that trade. Maybe you could consider McAvoy of that level on the defensive side of things. They trade Charlie McAvoy. They're fucked. So you have to scramble for all of these other assets where for the Leafs, it's like, okay, Marner or Nylander, who do you want? Let's work it out from there. I feel like they have an easier starting point, but then it gets a bit more difficult for them afterwards with the extra pieces because they've already leveraged a lot of draft picks. They have their 2024 first and 2026 first, but they're missing their first two picks in 2025. They actually don't have a second round pick over the next three years in Toronto. Um, And then prospect wise, you know, there are names, obviously. Uh, Your Easton Cowens, uh, Fraser Mintons, Ovchinikov, Alex Steves. I mean, there are names out there. but in terms of what that combination would look like, who knows? I think the Bruins have the advantage in picks and prospects. I mean, come on. like No disrespect to Easton Cowan, first round pick. You're taking yeah. Matt Potra and Mason Lori, who already have NHL games played and who have yep. looked good at times, especially Potra. But like I said, makes- the Leafs have that better high-end talent. So yeah. there is a situation, I think, where either team could realistically as realistic as a Connor McDavid trade is, um, there would be a way to realistically come up with a trade. It's just, would the Oilers want a trade offer that is high-end talent for high-end talent? If they did, you'd go with Toronto. Or do you want the more general building approach of NHL-ready players who can step in, pick some prospects to build around? I think they would need the Bruins offer more instead of just being like, okay, instead of Connor, now it's Mitch Marner and Leon Dreisaitl. I don't think that fixes what they need to see fixed. Yeah, I would say if they're going to make a move, the Leafs are losing Toby Niemela and that is their best offensive defensive prospect that they've had a long and I want to say in a long time, but since maybe Morgan Riley and that's that's a big that's a big statement for me to say. Um, but Toby Niemela it looked good. He looks good when I watch him play, and he's got what nine points in fifteen games as a defenseman. Top sco- top scoring defenseman on the team. Twenty one years have, old. You're so. gonna have to get rid of him if they want to make a play like that. Mm. Oh shit! Uh You want to break this? Uh let me. Go to Twitter. Ooh, okay. Calgary think, Flames. Yeah. Big yes. announcement right now. Breaking news. Uh, the Calgary Flames have acquired a fifth round pick in a 2024 
NHL draft and a third round pick in the 2026 NHL draft from Vancouver in exchange for defenseman Nikita Zadorov. Mm. He goes to Vancouver. I feel like that was the most obvious trade in the world. Like a lot of people, especially once the Beauvillier trade happened, which I don't think we had gotten to talk about yet, but Anthony Beauvillier uh, was dealt from Vancouver to Chicago um, for a fifth round pick. I feel like once that happened, people like they're clearing space. <laughs> it's like the meme of you like Krabby Patties, don't you, Squidward? This was the <laughs> you're trading for Nikita Zadorov, aren't you, Vancouver? Uh, and they did. Uh, it was very well known that Zadorov wanted out in Calgary. It seemed like Vancouver was the the top of the list in terms of potential suitors, and they got him for not very much. I would say. That is a good um, price. Not very much. Yeah. So he's on an expiring deal at 3.8 million. 28 years old. Can play both sides, which is a positive. Um, he He's solid. He's not this super insane player, um, but it is a solid, solid player to add right now for a team that is stepping up and to do it for not much. So even if you don't plan on re-signing him, he is a solid addition to this team. So at face value on its own, in terms of what does it mean for Calgary? What does it mean for Vancouver? And it's funny because I just saw in terms of refreshing the timeline, uh, no sleeve says, Oh, gotta say, Shout out to our friends No Sleeve Gaming, of course. Toronto could have paid that price, couldn't they? And I feel like that's going to be the biggest takeaway. Is for a third and a fifth, what other teams that could have used a player like Zadorov, why didn't they get ahead of that and pay that price? We'll talk about Toronto in a second, too, because we're not done talking about them. But in terms of what this deal means for Calgary, you had no fucking leverage. Again is my takeaway because you talk about some of the other trades uh, that they have made as of late, um, even not even that far back, but the idea of Adam Fox just being like, I'm not fucking signing there. So he gets what Delta was a Carolina and then elected. Carolina. Not to sign? Yeah. And then yeah. he elected not to sign um, and his rights trade, uh, his rights were traded to the Rangers. Um, you talk about like losing Johnny Gaudreau, Matthew Kachuk making it all but clear like he didn't want to stay. Tyler Toffoli, who you hey, had dude. to deal this summer for Sharon Govich in a third round pick. It's hopefully the connection is going to be all right here. Um, no, 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 not that. Um, <laughs> the Sean Monahan trade, future considerations for Monahan, and you gave them a first to take him. And they've had different GMs at this point. I do yeah. feel like, because their GM right now is Craig Conroy. And I the feel like this was Treliving, right? Yes. So it makes a sense that, you know, fucking Treliving balked at this opportunity to make a trade with Calgary because he yeah. mismanages players. Mm. And look at Toronto right now, fifth in the Atlantic, where, which honestly is kind of like you're, you're the Toronto Maple Leafs. You have a stacked roster. You're fifth in the Atlantic. Something's got to change. Yeah. Do I think Trey Living's gonna go? Like this, like again, like like Sleeve said, 
Th this is what Calgary got for that trade. They didn't really get anything. Leafs could have made this trade. They have cap space. Especially with Klingberg basically potentially being shut down for the season. Yeah. Of all things, you make a trade when he becomes healthy and move some cap space around so that way you can sign other players and everything. Mm. I just don't know what's going on. Bradley. Brad for living. Like I don't, I'm not sure if you're here in Toronto to promote Boston pizza at this point because your dad, but like I don't I don't get it, man. And this could be a, a whole thing of like Toronto syndrome where every player available was supposed to be a Leaf, mm -hmm. you know, with Patrick Kane, Tanev, Zadorov, <laughs> right? Like where they just gravitate towards like, oh, we could be a Leaf, but. This is a situation where it could have filled something that we need. We need a defenseman. Someone who's just kind of... We need we need a defensive defenseman. We need a guy who's just going to beat the fuck out of people. And we, mm. we got beat the fuck out of with him in the building. And he scored in our building. And then pl players are probably saying like, oh, we need you on our team kind of thing. Allegedly. Why didn't you do something? The entire trip on Sweden. The entire like trip in Sweden. Everyone was looking at Klingberg and being like, oh, he's definitely gone. He's going to get traded or whatever. And it's like, oh, he's done for the season or done for a while for with his hip issues. And they're still like, oh, we could have grabbed him. You, you could have grabbed him. You could have even sweetened the pot a little bit and you would have been able to get it. I feel like I feel like Toronto has to sweeten the pot. I think that's the big thing is because Toronto has a, have had have been very open with issues that they've had. And other teams are not willing to help them because fuck you, you're Toronto. So many times that like Cal Dubas has wanted to make a trade and everything, and he probably couldn't because he had to sweeten the deal a lot. And just couldn't warrant that. I will like to say that I openly acknowledge that a, a Leafs fan made it all about the Leafs in a deal involving two other Canadian teams. Uh, very on brand, sir. Well done. Yes. Uh, you, do, you do have a good point, though. And again, we're going to talk about the Leafs here in a couple minutes. I do want to say, though, about this particular trade. Like I said, for the Calgary Flames, a third and a fifth for Nikita Zadorov looks awful. And it it is. But at the same time, I do not blame GM Craig Conroy in this instance. He's been on the job for six months. He is still dealing with trying to clean up the mess that Brad Tree Living left behind. Um, because this is still Brad Living's roster. Let's be honest. I mean, Craig Conroy uh, has one draft in one free agency period under his belt as the GM of this team since being appointed on May 23rd. This whole deal of Zadorov not having any value, that is because of Brad Living, in my opinion. Because again, it's his roster. This team is what it is. It's a tough spot to be in. Um, especially to when these teams knew, oh, this guy wants out. The second a player makes it so public that they want out and that they're not happy, you you lose any leverage that you have. You're you're done. Like you're starting negotiations. Pretend it's a fucking arm wrestling match. You're starting negotiations with your hand three centimeters. You know, the back of your hand, three centimeters above the table and expected like, OK, now win this trade. It just doesn't fucking happen. 
Uh, it's not over the top. One of the best uh, hokey action movies of all time. Uh, if you want to call our wrestling action um, for the Canucks, this is great. You yeah. didn't have to give up much to get bigger, to get tougher on the back end, to get a really solid defensive defenseman um, who has that, uh, to use a, a, a Nick Olchek ism that, that has that bite in his game. Um, and yeah, for the Canucks, this is, this is great. This is great. I mean, it, it adds to, I'm sure, the confidence of the players that are already there to be like, shit, we're playing really goddamn well. And now they're adding to the team that instills that further belief of like, yeah, shit, like we feel like this could be something or, you know, management feels like this could be something. Here we are. I think, like you said, though, the thing that people will focus on here is the fact of who didn't get him as opposed to who did, which brings us to the Leafs. And it was at the bottom of the little Leaf section that we were going to talk about, but we could talk about it now because Mark Giordano is out week to week with a broken finger, joining Timothy Liegren and John Klingberg on IR. Um, Liegren, obviously, with the knee injury, John Klingberg with the, the hip issues. Um, and it leaves their blue line in a spot where Cap Friendly has them listed. This was updated eight hours ago. Uh, Riley and Brody, Lagason and McCabe, Benoit and Timmons. With a Max LeJoie as a healthy scratch. And they didn't seal the deal for Nikita Zadorov. I have a feeling if they were gonna have those talks with Calgary, it was before the stadium series before the um the global series. And then they just kind of didn't see eye to eye. Mm. And then after it was basically, all right, cool. You don't want him anymore? Cool. I said, bye. We're done. Vancouver, what you got? Nothing? Fuck it. We'll take it. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, I do wonder where the Leafs go now. Um, I can't help but think this is a sign of things to come for the Calgary Flames. Like, I do see people speculating, like, man, like, why deal him now? Um. Instead of waiting at the deadline, maybe you could have gotten a better haul, at least like a second round pick. At the same time, I do feel like it says something about Greg Conroy, the idea of just like, we want people here that want to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's It's a play to try and win people over and to try and be a player-friendly GM now that you're six months in. And... From the outside looking in, everybody's saying, ha ha, that team's on fucking fire and not in a good way because Calgary and uh, it's a tire fire. Um, yeah. I, I think, again, it's it's about kind of an entirely rebuilding process for the Flames, at least like at the high end of, again, like, all right, Brad, you living. Didn't work out. New era. Try to be player friendly. Try to flip the narrative here and flip the script on what people are saying about us. Um, easier said than done. At this stage, so um, hell of a trade. I'm can you know I'm, I'm intrigued, and we'll continue to kind of keep an eye out on what's being said about this. Um, but that's that's a good deal for the Vancouver Canucks, and I don't think it's this 
gigantic L for the Calgary Flames. I mean, especially now, it's way too early. You could say, oh, they could have gotten more. It is what it is. Uh, the conversation will continue to be who else should have traded for him, which Leafs fans are going nuts right now. Um, oh, yeah. You'll have the extension conversation in the future, and then how does the deal look after that? How does the deal look after these picks are made? Do the two picks end up staying with the Calgary Flames, or are they involved in a, a follow-up trade that flips that somewhere? Like We don't know. Talk to me in 10 years for a definitive answer, uh, but at base level, yeah, Calgary, maybe they should have gotten more given how many teams might have been intrigued. Vancouver did very, very well. We were talking about the Leafs as well. And I'm going to segue to that because uh, they had quite a, an interesting night. The, the Florida Panthers actually have qu- had quite an interesting few nights on their little uh, Canadian road trip. You had uh, the ridiculous game against Ottawa where everybody on the ice got a penalty. Um <laughs> a game that featured 167 penalty minutes Damn. beating last year's game high of 166 penalty minutes in a game that was on April 6th of this year featuring the Sens and the Panthers for whatever reason these two teams fucking hate one another which means you are rooting for the Sens and Panthers to play in the playoffs because when the referees put the whistles away Jesus Christ, if you like physical fucking bloodbath hockey, you're rooting for a Sens-Panthers matchup in the playoffs. So keep an eye out on that one. Um, but Endo, I wanted, your thoughts on, I wanted your thoughts on this really quickly. The double tap. Because I was watching that overtime in that shootout, and I saw the Florida Panthers celebrate, and I turned off the game. Three minutes later, I checked my phone. LOL, Leafs win. Your thoughts on the double tap? Because I don't think I'd ever seen that exact situation before. It's um, it's rare. Um, that's it. That's that's all I got. I was about to cough right now, so that's why I'm trying to like speed up what I'm trying to say. <laughs> just hacking up a lung, endurance M. Yeah, it's okay. just um. Sometimes it happens. It happens very rarely, but you know, it happened. The thing. And yeah. Strong I answer. I like it a as a goalie hand. when it's actually called. I've had someone beer league where it's a double tap and they don't call it, but I'm like, you touch it again. Like, you know, you gotta you gotta see that. Like, hmm. oh, I didn't see anything. It's like fucking use your eyes, buddy. Come on. You know, what's funny, too, is I was uh, looking at our little run sheet here and I realized that we had a point about the Calgary Flames, too, that we uh, could have mentioned last time out. And that was that uh, Pierre Lebrun reported that Noah Hannafin was close to a seven and a half million dollar extension with the Flames, but that it's currently on hold and that he could be traded with that agreed upon extension in place. So rebuild Celebrini Calgary is going to be tearing down over the next couple of months leading up to the trade deadline. That is that is a thing that's going to be taking place. So keep an eye out on that. Final two things. Let's go to Detroit first. We'll keep it within the division that we've been talking about with the Leafs at least. Endo Patrick Kane is a Toronto Maple Leaf. No, he's not. Oh, man. He's a Boston Bruin. No, he's not. Patrick Kane has signed with the Detroit Red Wings 
following off-season hip surgery. And I don't really have an opinion. (laughs) Because it's a wait and see, right? Like, he's coming off of a major surgery, just turned 35 earlier this month. This will either allow him to extend his career while still playing at a high level, or perhaps more likely, he's going to be absolutely cooked. 35 years old, major surgery for a high skill player that doesn't necessarily have the size to go down the traditional route of I was a skill player, but now let me slot into that defensive or physical role to try and extend my career. He doesn't, at least historically, for his entire career basically, hasn't played good defense, and he's not a physical player. So what he has is the skill. And eventually, you hit a point on that decline where it just doesn't matter anymore. We saw it with Yermir Yager, who was able to extend that skill. You know, he didn't have the speed, but he had the hands and the footwork to still be somewhat effective at the NHL level into his early to mid-40s. Is Patrick Kane going to retain that footwork, that mobility, along with the hands that he has to be able to offset whatever this is? Like that That's the question. It's just where is he at right now? And we don't know. But I do think for Detroit, it's a good time to take that risk on a player like that when you're not exactly guaranteed a playoff spot this season. It's either, well, shit, that didn't work. And, all right, hey, at least we tried. Or it does work. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, shit, we still have a really good version of Patrick Kane. And now here we are. We're in the playoffs, and our chances are looking just a little bit better. It's a good move on their part. But in terms of what to expect from Patrick Kane, man, it's all best guessing for anybody at this stage. Yeah, I feel like when a player starts really, really late in the season, they don't have that same drive to get through. I mean, look what happened. What, <coughs> excuse me. What happened to, look what happened to Wooly Nylander when he held out for his RFA. Mm. Look what happened to Justin Williams back. when he came back and wanted to join up with um, Carolina for their cup run. He wasn't the same guy. Look at God, um, Mike Fisher, when he just randomly retired and came back in and wanted to be super dominant with um, with the Predators and try to help him out on their cup push. Didn't really end the the proper way. I mean, he is what, 35, like he just turned 35 like last week. So he's not necessarily old. He's a little bit older in hockey terms, but I believe when he did his deal, he had everything set up before or whatever. So like he's not eligible for like the 35 plus contracts where it's all performance performance based. Kind of like what you know Corey Perry was on, where it was like he got like two million up front. Um mm. the rest was salary. But um again, it'd be interesting to see how he does. Like I don't expect him to be good. Like his last game was May 1st, 23rd, uh, 2023. Yeah. And even then, like he had like zero points, zero points. His last game where he had a point 
it was April 24th. And I think, yeah. So like he's, he, he can produce and get points, but at the same time, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how he's using the lineup. I just feel bad for the guy that Detroit has to send down because Patrick King just showed up. Yeah. That's that's hockey though, isn't it? <laughs> that's how Actually, it is. It's a know. business. Who did they send down? What is their transactional history? Calls and assignments. I think it was Unless we're able to keep a guy. Yeah, they've only registered Kane so far. I don't think he's technically they haven't technically sent somebody down yet, so right. they, they have everything to play for to try and not be the guy that gets demoted. Um, meanwhile, Daniel Sprong lost his number. <laughs> so, what a guy. He'll get a Rolex or something from Patrick. That's fine. Mm. So, so, our nothing final original. Point. Nothing yeah. original. It's always a fucking Rolex. <laughs> get, get, I don't know, buy him some clothes. Do something different. And get him, get him a nice shirt. You, yeah. Buy him some socks and underwear, but like $1,000 socks and underwear because you guys are <laughs> fucking millionaires. Buy him a shirt that'll see him put into a video game like The Rock was in like WWE 12, where he had a character. He had like the modern day version of Dwayne Johnson, but then he also had The Rock from 1999 or 2000. And the character was literally titled instead of The Rock, it was The Rock $500 shirt. That's <laughs> the title that popped up. So Daniel Sprong, $500 shirt playing left wing. Uh, for the Detroit Red Wings tonight because Patrick Kane showed up. It's nice. It is. Our final talking point today is about what has been the biggest story in hockey this week. You know it. We don't have to drag it out. Uh, to end the show, let's talk about talking. Uh, let's talk about talking. Let's talk about what everyone's been talking about. Corey Perry, who was officially cut by the Chicago hockey team, of course, following all the checks and balances, basically. Um, you know, we kind of talked about the idea of them being incredibly bad at PR. Um, I mean, that continued this week. You had the Kyle Davidson press conference where, again, I do think he came off as sincere and genuinely kind of upset by the situation. Uh, but at the same time, that has still allowed up to that point because of how long they waited. It, it still allowed people and rumors to fester, you know, heading into that press conference. It was, Oh, Connor Bedard's mom, which was so fucking immature. And we talked about the history of that bullshit. Childish. Um, Kyle Davidson mentioned on the, the Perry situation at the press conference, that there was no involvement of other players or players, families. Uh, two, that it was a workplace thing. Three, that it was an individual team matter, meaning it was an in-house situation, no other club was involved. And that four, uh, the Hawks players still didn't know what happened. LOL on that one, more than likely. Oh, um, yeah, they all know. And the fifth is that it wasn't a criminal action. So because you didn't, again, there's ways to give information and details while protecting those involved that doesn't lead to speculation because that's all Twitter was after this was, okay, go down the checklist. 
So it probably wasn't this because they said it wasn't criminal, but it could have been this and this and this. And we still don't have the full details. And you know, you know what this my... reminds me of this reminds mm. me of everyone headhunting during the hockey can of the scandal. Which one? I'll let you decide which one it is because there's two of them. Fair. Within the world junior chi- within the world junior championship scandal with the players, there were people on Twitter literally going through the entire list, being like, mm-hmm. "Oh, it can't be this person and this person because they were in they were in NCAA. They were playing mm-hmm. in the Hobie Baker. They got this guy's a Hobie Baker winner. He 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 didn't do it. He didn't do it at all." Right. And I'm like, "How about you wait until the investigation's done, so that way we have all the proper information before you start headhunting people?" And then I got like blocked by like a bunch of people on Twitter. I'm like, "You're a bunch of fucking." idiots god um but yeah you y- you can't jump to certain things the meme of oh yeah he fucked bedard's mom it was funny for a minute for a not even a, maybe like five minutes because the idea of that is so outlandish you know guy brought in to be like a veteran influence for the young players and some weird scenario like that happens the best like the worst part about it sorry not the best part about it is that literally everyone grabbed that joke and went like like you didn't even jump the shark the the shark went to the shark went to you you didn't even have time to jump it it just you just it was just not funny anymore Mm. like that's someone's fucking life you know yeah weird like memeing and memeing aside, it's like yeah, I get it. Oh, a little funny, a little joke, haha. But when you repeat the joke, God, at least a thousand times over the span of four days, it, it loses any sort of comedic value. Right. Rule of threes, people. Rule of threes. Now, obviously, you had reporters trying to put out some details. Um, you know, uh, Frank Zaravalli reported that according to sources, an alcohol fueled incident involving Perry was alleged to have occurred in Nashville on November 17th, the night before the Hawks played the Preds during a Hawks organized corporate event that included sponsors and team employees in attendance. Oh. Obviously, we still don't have further specifics on what it might be, but a lot of people are saying, well, if you know team sponsors are involved, situation where you could have fucked up money wise, maybe you said something, you did something, whatever it may be. Um, all of this has led to Corey Perry releasing a statement today, um, which is interesting. Very interesting. I would like to sincerely apologize to the entire Chicago Blackhawks organization, including ownership, management, coaches, trainers, employees, and my teammates. I would also like to apologize to my fans and family. I am embarrassed and I've let you all down. As a result of my actions, which again, we still don't know in full, there has been speculation and rumors. I'm sickened by the impact this has had on others, and I want to make it clear that in no way did the situation involve any of my teammates or their families. Most importantly, I want to directly apologize to those who have been negatively affected, and I'm sorry for the additional impact to others it's created. My behavior, which again, we still don't know what it was, was inappropriate and wrong. I have started working with experts in the mental health and substance abuse fields to discuss my struggles with alcohol, and I will take whatever steps necessary to ensure this never happens again. I hope to regain the trust and respect of everyone who has believed in me throughout my career. Once again, I am deeply sorry. Now... Another thing about that is, you know, earlier this week, 
Mm-hmm. Um, there was a thing about Scott Darling uh, having yes. conversation with Pete Blackbird, and I believe it's DJ DJ Bean. Don't know his actual name. I just know his Twitter handle on their podcast. What chaos! Great podcast. Listen to it. Check it out. Support Pete because Pete's Pete's the fucking best. He's short king. About the NHLPA player assistance program and how they help out and assist people. To which Scott Darling basically said, no, 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 no. The NHLPA are monsters. Mm. Now, everyone has their own scenario to work with. I'm assuming by being in the player association program and the person's program, you have to follow by their set of rules. So, for example, you have to go to their clinic. You have to go to their thing for, for whatever scenario it may be because it, it come it encompasses a lot of things as you see multiple players who've gone in for separate different programs that they've disclosed or not disclosed to me <coughs> it sounds like the chicago blackhawks again i'm speculating because i'm just reading how things are but an incident like this we don't know the full things about it but we know that alcohol is fueled we know perry's thing about mental health and alcohol was both involved with the statement Maybe there was a situation here where he, where the Blackhawks were like, this is a little crazy. We're going to put you in the program. Maybe he opts out of the program. Maybe that affects the clause and they have to release him. Who knows? That's been a, a, one thing that a lot of people are, are confused by is the idea of like, so he, he's not going into the player assistance program, which yes, you know, as you mentioned, it's that idea of, okay, a program that coincidentally the same time, um, uh, you know, around the time that this is happening, you do have a former player saying oh, the program's fucked, but that's just one viewpoint. Exactly. And I mean, same, like, yeah, you know, at the same time, I, you know, Scott Darling's truth is his truth at the same time. Um, you know, uh, that specific program isn't necessarily designed to move forward with kid gloves. It is designed to say you have a problem that needs solving now. Yeah. Because here's what's at stake for us as this professional sports organization. Like the the sentimentality, the feelings of it um, are going to be lost a little bit because the whole concept of it is business first. Yeah. You know, that's what it is. Um, mm-hmm. So I can see why a player would be resentful. Um. But again, his details, other people's experiences, they they are what they are. Yes. Um, but the idea that like, okay, Corey Perry's not going into the player assistance program when it is now openly out there that alcohol was very much involved is interesting. Yes. Because Milan Lucic had his incident earlier this month right. involving alcohol. He is not on the team, but technically hasn't had his contract voided. And has entered the player assistance program. Mm-hmm. So people are saying, like, okay, what's the what what's the difference here? And again, they fucking open Pandora's box for people to fucking speculate, and it's annoying as fuck. And people have a right to be annoyed about it. Like I said, there are ways to not give details that'll lead people to being like like, like we saw with the Kyle Beach thing. Where initially Kyle Beach wasn't going to say, hi, I'm Kyle Beach, but people did their fucking digging and it just got to the point where he's like, fuck it. 
I'll just I'll just say who I am because yeah. people were already fucking like it's him, it's him, it's him, it's him. Like you said, but the 2018 World Junior Team, it's that idea of like it's him, it's him, it's him, it's him. Even though that still hasn't been confirmed. So with this situation, yeah, you want to avoid giving too much detail as to where people are like it's this person because people have already done that. Whether or not they're right or wrong, we don't fucking know. Yeah, um, but it's that idea of you can give enough information to say here's what happened and, and why um but what is the difference what is the major difference that has allowed chicago to cut ties with the player meanwhile someone like milan lucic is still under contract and not terminated by the bruins and has entered the player assistance program like you said is it that Corey perry denied going so the hawks said okay well we're going to release you instead um, how severe of of a situation? How severe of a situation is this to be deemed not criminal, but an actual criminal act by Milan Lucic was not enough to get him sacked, and he's now in the player assistance program. Right? Why? Why do we have to, as, as fans of the sport, have conversations like this? What? That's what I'm wondering. What what potential legal thing is standing in the way? It's going to come out eventually. And I hope that the justification or what they're trying to use as justification for being vague is in fact justified. Because otherwise, if this comes out and it's deemed as something where it's like, you know, you probably could have just fucking said that, they're going to take a lot more goddamn heat. As opposed to if when this comes out and people go like, oh, you know, fair play. Fair play that you didn't share those details immediately. We understand. The problem is it is Chicago and you don't get the benefit of the doubt because people haven't forgotten. People haven't forgotten. If this was any one of the other 31 teams, you'd probably get benefit of the doubt. Not to the same extent that you would have five years ago because of what Chicago has been in the spotlight for in the past couple of years. But at the same time, like Chicago, especially of all the teams, you don't get uh, to be let off the hook here. People want to know because otherwise, especially for Chicago, it looks like you're hiding something. Whether or not that's the case or not, that is how a lot of people are going to look at it. So overall, we wait and we find out to see what happens. But all in all, um, it, it's 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 just not over at this point. It's not, and it's just what a what a shitty situation, basically, um, that the NHL finds itself in again. Because of course, Sendo's on another cough break. <laughs> So, and I'm uh, anything dying, to add, or can we wind things down so you can give your voice a rest and enjoy being sick and chug water? I don't have any time to relax. I have to go play. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I have hockey at eight thirty, so I gotta go Thanks. pop. Probably take a take a nice uh take a nice shower, and get some tea, and then you know just relax for like ten minutes and run out the fucking door. Fair play. Fair enough. Well, in the meantime, then. As uh, we wrap things up for this week, 
Do you have anything going on from a content perspective? So I, when I brainstormed that idea, I think it was last week with Tuki, um, with doing just dropping in and being like the the, the goalie, mm. you know, the guy. Um, I was like, yeah, sure, I'll give it a shot today. Played one game, first shot, went right on on the chest, off the glove, in the back of the net. I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing this shit. <laughs> it was perfect, perfect positioning. Should have been a guaranteed save. And it just did not do the thing that it's supposed to do. Great game. I feel like drop-ins in this game in NHL 24 play worse than clubs. I don't know mm. what it is. Just the, the shot consistency, the way the puck moves. I feel like in drop-in matches, it's more sporadic than when you're playing club matches. Maybe that's just me. That's how I feel. I might stream tomorrow. Who knows? I don't. Um, probably like 2, 3 p.m. Just going to do whatever. Maybe I'll stream that. Maybe I'll actually start be a pro again. Who knows? You know where to find me. Twitch.tv slash Yugi24. Also, we've raised, I think it was $2,000 hey. uh, for November uh, from that party on Saturday that I got blackout drunk from. So it nice. all went to a good cause. Um, my liver has recovered. My throat has not. Um, but we're good. We're all good. Fair enough. With that, I will still be on the, uh, the YouTube side of things, the Twitch side of things as well. We are still grinding away at some roster editing on the NHL side of things. Um, trying to get that done. I I'm enjoying the process, but obviously EA sucks. So it's a difficult yeah. process, but I do think the rosters this year are going to be super interesting now that we've had the NHL edge info. Uh, to work with to further make uh, skating more realistic as we're comparing NHL players to NHL players. And, oh, oh, the salt that you're going to see from some people. over. What do you mean that guy's that slow? And it's like, buddy, I'm just looking at the numbers. It's going to be so fun. So excited about it. Um, and hey, we're closing in on, uh, of course, the start of December. It is not this weekend, but next weekend, Saturday the 9th our next charity stream over on twitch.tv forward slash 24 as I'll be working with some friends yet again this time to raise money for the Boys and Girls Clubs of America as we'll be running uh, similar to what we did on the UFC side of things over the summer in AI versus AI tournament. We'll be doing it this time on WWE 2K23 only because the AEW video game did not have the character randomization options that I needed for this particular tournament. Um, but this is going to be fun. Hopefully we have the likes of Endo and company in the Discord call with me for commentary purposes. That'll make it that much better. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. The 2G24 Holiday Bash. So, hey, look forward to that sneaking up on us very, very quickly. With that, everybody, we love you. Make sure as well to check out Sin for the Win Productions on the YouTube side of things. He still has videos being posted, even though he's overseas. And for now, we love you. We'll see you next week. Goodbye.